what is, is a really big part of it that we don't talk so much about is, is actually how we enable uh, the staff, our employees, uh, to do their job efficiently so that they can actually, you know, talk to the customers, be there for the guests, be out there, don't look into a screen, but look into their eyes and, and enhance their experience by being physically available. All right, we're here for an, an episode of Hospitable Podcast, and we are actually sitting in Oslo, Norway, at the beautiful Strawberry Headquarters. So really excited about this episode. And Kariana, really, one, first, thanks for the hospitality, and two, how are you doing today? Hello, uh, I'm good, thanks. Uh, it's a beautiful day. It's been a beautiful weekend. Uh, I was uh, at my best friend's wedding, so uh, yeah. Being very good. Always have fun at weddings, right? Yeah, it was good fun. It yeah, was, was it fun. was it here local or? Yes, it was local. Okay, awesome. I always love a good destination wedding. Sometimes, uh, my brother and I, my brother, my youngest brother had a uh, destination wedding in Cabo. That was fun. Cabo, beautiful in January, so in the middle of winter. Right. Yeah. So, if you haven't guessed, my my guest today is Carrie Fizvik. Yes. Is that right? I was, it's almost right. Almost right. I right was, enough. I was practicing that um, <laughs> on the whole flight over here okay. uh, from New York. Um, we're excited for today's episode. And Hospitable is a podcast focused on exploring the latest trends, technologies, and best practices that are shaping the hospitality industry and the customer experience. We do this by hosting engaging conversations with tech visionaries, architects, designers, restaurateurs, and industry experts. Today with Kariana, she is an accomplished technology executive with over 20 years experience and is currently the vice president of technology at Strawberry, which was formerly Nordic Choice Hotels, a leading hotel chain in the Nordic region of Europe. And uh, we're staying at the hub, which is absolutely All right, you're beautiful. Right. Yes, it's lovely. It is. And um, this is my first time in Oslo. So waking up this morning, oh. walk around city center was, was quite beautiful. So really excited about that. So, Carrie, you're passionate about leveraging technology to make a positive impact in people's lives. You bring a unique perspective to your role, and you're committed to innovating effective technology so solutions that enhance the customer experience, which is something that I'm really passionate about and excited to talk about today. And you've been instrumental in rolling out a number of technology projects. And I really love that you had some content out about um, uh, mastering, I think it was a, a black belt in cyber Attacks. Uh, not really cyber attacks. I've said crisis management. Crisis management. That's right. Black and crisis <laughs> right. management. Yeah. And that, where did that come from? What what big crisis was it that uh, led to you getting your right? Uh, there, there's been a few actually. So um, where to start? Uh, I think the, well, the latest one that we had was a cyber attack that happened about a year and a half ago. Uh, quite. I I, I don't really know how to describe it. It's, it's sort of an out of this world experience when when somebody shuts your entire company down and you know that everything that you and your team do uh, are sort of make it or break it for the business. So we did that for a couple of a uh, couple of weeks last year. Uh, actually, an amazing experience after all because uh, what we managed to do is that, that we didn't close the hotels for for not for an hour. Uh, the hotels out there, they were, they were amazing. They just um, kept the door open. Uh, we tried to give them manual routines for a couple of days, so the operation department helped with that, while the tech department was looking into how we could fix the problem. 
And within 48 hours, we had actually converted uh, our first computers over from the existing OS they had to Chrome uh, OS from Google. Uh, and then we did 2,000 more computers, so we converted them to new OS within another 48 hours. So basically, then they, the hotels could work again and access all their systems. Then we had to do a lot of cleanup, obviously, for a couple of months more, but um, we did that. Uh, and also, when I started my job here, 1st of March 2020, that was a bit of a crisis. <laughs> yeah, very much so, a bit of a crisis. Uh, yeah, I think it was within five days. I had just sort of you know, stop all projects, uh, let half of the people that we had go, uh, people that I've never met before. So that was, uh, that was a horrible experience uh, and, and very hard as you didn't really know the organization yet. I didn't really know what was important, what was not important to do, but you had to sort of, you know, just learn very quickly. So we've done some of that. Um, personal level also, I've, I've dealt with some, um, some of my closest relatives being really ill. So you, you learn to get through that as well. And uh, I, I guess in some ways it's it's become, uh, I usually go in when I have a new job or something, I go in and I do cleanups. I, I fix things, that's what I do. Um, so should just call you the fixer. Oh, they ha luckily they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, basically if, if something's not working, then I step up. So that's why I joke about having a black belt in crisis management because there's been a lot of them. <laughs> I, I absolutely love that. And, and, and it's really cool that you share that. And, you know, I think it's really important to understand, too, the blend of, of our personal and our professional lives. And, you know, you're a top woman in tech. You've done a lot of these different things. How do you balance that blend of professional? Because I know you're also a mother to, to, to children, and I know one of them, if I'm not mistaken, is an actress. Yes, um, she is, she is. Just did a big movie for her first big kind of movie. So t tell me, how do you balance your personal and professional lives? Uh, first of all, and, and it's not that I recommend it, this, but uh, I am actually divorced. So, and, and I'm, I'm saying that because for me, that has been part of how I balance it, is that I have the kids one week, or not kids anymore, they're 19. Uh, and then the other week I work a lot. So, so I think, uh, if you're divorced or whatever you are, but you need to find somewhere where you focus on this or you focus on that. You can't be everywhere at the same time all the time. That's, uh, that's a bit of a struggle. Uh, also I'm quite lucky to have a, a very good ex-husband. So we, um, we help each other out. Uh, he's been very supportive of, of me in my career as well. He's still my you know, I still discuss things with him. Uh, and then I have a lot of energy. So I think uh, for me, it's, it's, it's not really a struggle to, to be online a lot of the time mm -hmm. because I get energy from it. And uh, then I do really sort of, you know, sometimes six weeks, just go away uh, and be unavailable. Yeah. So, so I think it's a mix of finding out where you get your energy from and, and then focusing on that. And... And, and, and I think my job is fun. I love my work. I love my colleagues, my team. Yeah. So then it's, then, you know, giving it a lot is, is not that hard. And my kids are luckily quite self-sufficient. Yeah. They didn't need, though one of them was really ill for a while, they haven't, you know, needed me to sit down and do homework with them for hours and hours so we could, I could sit with them and they could work and I would work. Yeah. So you, so you sort of mix it in, yeah. I think. Your kids aren't twins, are they? Yes, they are. Are they really? Yeah. So I'm a twin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I have a twin brother. 
uh, or actually fraternal, but looks just like me. Um, and, uh, you know, I was a, was a child, child of divorced parents, uh, but I was lucky, you know, similar to what you were saying, my parents both uh, were great friends, better friends than, you know, a married couple, <laughs> uh, which was super helpful, right? I know that, um, you know, having that support system in place makes a big difference. And I love how you talked about knowing where you get your energy from. Uh, mm -hmm. I talk a lot in, in my previous life about there's two different types of people. There's people whose work is their passion and there's people who work for their passions outside of work. And I think it's really important for you to understand where that is. And it's okay to be in either camp, but when you know that you are passionate about what you do, that makes a big difference in how you balance. And I, I love that you share that because I think everyone's balance, there's a lot of content out there about work-life balance and this and that. It, it's what works best for you and the situation you're in and how you, how you make it work because you're on your own journey. I love that you share that. No, I, th I think it's really important, and, and, and I, I totally support uh, what's sort of, you know, trending on LinkedIn now that, you know, being burnt out is not cool. Uh, I, I love that we're talking about that because it really, uh, you know, working until you die uh, of exhaustion is, is not where we want to be. Yeah. Uh, but for me, uh, like, I get a lot of energy from the work. I like being around people. I like solving problems. I... I, I I get energy from the feeling of that you sort of, you know, you've helped contribute to something that made a difference to something. Yeah. One. So for me, that is part of what I want to do in life. And that's why I'm saying I get a lot of energy from work as well. I must admit, uh, you know, in May, we have a lot of days off in Norway. So the summer feeling is still, you know, starting to kick in. I'm off on my holidays in about well, two weeks. So at the moment, it's a bit of a struggle to keep <laughs> up because vacation mode is, is starting yeah. to kick in. You know, and I love that you share that because that's authentic, right? And it's important to understand that because then you know how to balance your days and bring that energy in. So I love that. So how did you how did you end up here at Strawberry Strawberry, formerly New Order Choice? Three years ago, you started in March, and then we had obviously the global pandemic. So talk to me. How did you come to here and and get here? What was your journey? Uh my journey is, is it's a bit of, a, I, I never knew that I wanted to work in tech. That was not my passion. Uh, what I was going to do was work in arts. And you mentioned my daughter being an actress, and that's what I thought I was going to do as well. So that's what I studied. That's where all my friends were. That's, that was my passion. And then, you know, um, I wanted to take some time out of school and just work, uh, earn some money, live a little before I studied even further. And... In that year, I ended up figuring out that I was good at solving problems and, and that uh, I actually had a quite good technology understanding and could use that to solve problems. Um, so instead of going into study that I was supposed to do, I was accepted into school. I was going to start there the year after. I got offered a job in London. And, you know, being 20, being offered like a cool job in London, I, um, I told the school I would never come. Uh, I moved to London. <laughs> and I just, you know, I, I love that. And I haven't gone back to school since, or I have actually have studied uh, outside of work. Um, and obviously I had to learn a lot of the tech stuff because I didn't know it by heart. But most of what I've done is, is sort of self-thought, you know, true experience. Mm -hmm. um, so when I moved back to Norway, uh, I, I've just worked my way through different areas. You know, the music industry is where I started. And I did like the book industry. Then I did fashion for 12 years, and now it's hospitality. But I think what, what, what all of these sort of, you know, um, 
business areas has in common is that they're very uh, lively areas. They, they're about people, they're about feelings, emotions, experiences. So I don't think I would be very good at this job in, in, in a company that, you know, didn't actually uh, work with people and experience in that way. That would be more sort of, you know, back office that, yeah. that, that served a product that is useful, but, but not that emotional. So I think um, that's been important for me. Uh, I've done a lot of logistics as well, e-commerce, tech. I, I usually end up, I've worked both in the business side and the tech side which I think is actually really, really important yeah. to having tried both because until you've sat on the business side, you, you don't really know how frustrating it is <laughs> sometimes when you try to talk to the tech department yeah. and they'll be like, oh, but you can't do that and we're going to do this tomorrow and not today. Yeah. So, so you, I think it's really important to, to test the business side and, and feel that sense of urgency yeah. that they have uh, to be able to you know, prioritize correctly for yeah. the tech department as well. Um, so I've, I've done a lot of all of that, moving around, um, I loved working in fashion as well. That was really fun. And, and it was fun working in logistics because, um, you know, in e-commerce and retail, logistics is really the heart of what you're actually doing. They're, obviously the, the product is important, the customer experience, the shops, but if you don't get the logistics right, you don't have anything exactly. to sell. There's nothing there. And, and if you screw up logistics with e-commerce, I mean, no one's going to come back to your shop. So uh, I've been very fortunate. I've been allowed to try a lot of different things. Yeah. I've been welcomed into uh, a lot of different environments so yeah. that I could figure out how to do things. I've been given a lot of trust. Uh, obviously, I've also fought very hard for it because uh, you have to learn the politics if you want to get anywhere. Uh, you have to understand the organization, what triggers them, who makes the decisions, what it, who are the people that are really important to talk to to get things done. Uh, and this is also something I feel that is, I've been fortunate about because I'm able to talk to a lot of, you know, the board and the people up there, but I'm, I also have like great colleagues that are, you know, programmers or they're doing totally different stuff. And to be able to, you know, move around in the organization like that, it's, it's really... Um, it's it's a giving. It's it's a what do you call that? It's a, it's like a gift yeah. because you get to know so many different people and so many different things. And and as I said, I am a person that gets a lot of energy from uh, high fast moving environments and yeah. people. Uh, so to me, that is you know, it makes sure that I don't get bored. Yeah, I love that. I'm I'm very similar. I I feed off of other energy. I love energy, right? And mm. I, I radiate a lot, but I also need a lot to, to fill up the tank. Uh, that's why I love living in New York, right? We walk outside, you take the subway in, there's just so much palpable energy. And, and I think that just being in this office here today, you know, it's a Monday morning. Mm. Um, I know they probably can't hear it, but this office is buzzing. There's so much going on. There's activity <laughs> everywhere. It's absolutely gorgeous in here. And it's hard not to feel that, that pulse of energy with this, with this office, the team and the people here, I think you need that. And that's really important to be a part of, but also if you take that energy in an, in an environment to be able to give that energy back to the teams, you know, I think, I mean, this is obviously a very, very special office. Uh, it, it used to be like, you know, uh, this old shipping mogul that lived here and there was the pool down in the basement. And then there's, uh, there's this beautiful garden outside that we can sit and have lunch in. Uh, most of the people that work in our, company 
I mean, for us, being at home in the pandemic was really, really hard mm -hmm. because we're such people people. Mm -hmm. But this office, I mean, our owner, he has a saying like, I love Mondays. I don't know if you've seen any of what he's doing, but because a lot of it is in Norwegian, but he's like, Monday's the best day of the week. Um, and he's very energetic. And also our CEO is very, you know, they're people people. They come from the hospitality. They come, they, they like people around. They like us. So I think that that's really, you know, set the standard for a whole company. Mm -hmm. uh, we throw we throw great parties. We uh, we hang around with each other. We're, you know, we like to try new things, even though they might fail. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to, to walk into this office on a Monday morning and, and get that energy from your colleagues, from the environment, um, I feel I feel so blessed to yeah. be able to be here. Uh, so. Uh, it, and I think a lot of what you're seeing as well is that people that leave the company, they come back very often. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a bit chaotic. We're not like process, process people. But then again, you know, running a hotel is a very agile business. Yeah. I think it's one of the most agile businesses that you have because you never really know what kind of clients that are coming in, mm -hmm. what happens. Uh, they do deal with a lot of, you know, uh, really dark stuff as well. There's yeah. a lot of suicide in hotels. Yeah. There's violence, there, there's uh, drug and alcohol abuse, there are people renting those rooms to, uh, to sell sex. And you have to deal with that. At the same time, you have all these business conferences. Yeah. And you have all these different people that come in and out, and someone are there for leisure, someone is like, you know, really landing to try, trying to land a big deal. So you have to rethink what you do every day and adapt to your yeah. environment. And, and the whole company is really built like that. Like, okay, we will adapt. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like the energy in this, uh, in this room is great. Yeah, I absolutely, I felt it from the minute I walked in and, and absolutely loved it. And, and you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, this company is a bunch of people, people. And I, and I, the hospitality industry is something special. It's why I joined Omniboost and joined the hospitality industry. And, and you know, you, you know, you've met Case and you feel his energy. It's so big, right? I think that there's something to that. And, and you talk about this customer experience, right, that depending on, you know, you don't know when somebody's walking in if they're a millionaire or they're, you know, this is their big weekend away and you have to cater to that. So how does technology, what role does technology play in catering to the customer experience day in and day out across Strawberry Hotels? Right. Uh, I, it's a good question. I think it, there's the obvious part that everyone is talking about and everyone is can see, which is basically all the self-service things that came with the the digitalization of, of bookings online, you can check in online, you can get more and more information, do your stuff on your mobile, uh, which is, you know, both good for the customer experience, but also very efficient for us. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's that part of it. Uh, and, but then I think what is, is a really big part of it that we don't talk so much about is, is actually how we enable uh, the staff, our employees, uh, to do their job efficiently so that they can actually, you know, talk to the customers, be there for the guests, be out there, don't look into a screen, but look into their eyes and, and enhance their experience by being physically available. So I think that is, that is equally important um, and, and sometimes a bit more tricky to mm -hmm. get right because there's so many things they're going to do and there's so many systems that have to talk to each other and connect each other and get that data flowing uh, and, and give that data and information to our employees so they can um, cater for our guests. That is, uh, 
I think that's, you know, that's the tricky part and yeah. that's what gives me the most energy because it's the hardest part to get right. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's also, I know, I think it's really important that when you have all this technology to be able to filter out what you should not use. Because mm -hmm. uh, it's so, I mean, I actually, I, I never open any LinkedIn messages because it, there's just like, you know, so many people that want to sell you something. And a lot of those products are really good. But if, if you try everything, you can't focus. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, like they're all saying, but you can give you like uh, your receptionist 30 or, or 40 data points about every guest that checks in. But, you know, no one is going to be able to use all of that information. Yeah. So with all this data flowing that you want and you want to personalize and you want to get it right, it's, it's also the trick of taking things away so that you can really focus on what matters. Uh -huh. uh, and, and what I like about that is that that's not just tech, you know, that's business and you have to get. To get tech right, you have to understand both parts of it, yeah. not just the code, because then you, you risk that you, you spend a lot of time on things that is not giving business value. So I think, I think that part is really important. It's really cool now to, to look into you know, everything that has to do with AI and ChatGPT and everyone is talking about it, but how we can actually you know, reduce work for our uh, employers and not just you know, write robotics answers to our guests, but also get the whole company flowing yeah. around being more efficient, getting the data right. So I think that is really cool. And, and what I think is really, really cool as well is that, you know, when tech first came, everyone was like, oh, now you don't print because you'll, you'll kill the forest. Uh, and, and luckily we moved on from that to actually start talking about that we're one of the largest consumers of commercial energy, yeah. the tech industry in the world. Uh, so, you know, we're not great people that save the forest. Yeah. We're, we're using a lot of energy and producing a computer is, is really not very environmentally, oh God, environmentally friendly. Yeah. Uh, likewise, you know, all the plasma screens and, and they're horrible for the environment. Yeah. So, um, I think to, to actually make our guests aware of their CO2 footprint intact without, you know, it's not that we want to make come into our towels and like you're a bad person because you watch TV. That's not yeah. totally not what I'm saying. But uh, to to be able to make good choices, use technology that is good on the planet, and then maybe we can also you know make our guests more aware of how they can make yeah. good choices because you know the craziness that the IT industry has created with you know shifting your devices every second month or every second year. It's it's insane. Yeah, we don't need that. We can have perfectly good experiences in life without getting a new device every day. That's just people, you know, want to make money yeah. that are telling us that we need that. So I think that part of the customer experience as well of, of making conscious choices is really important. Absolutely. Uh, and then there's some fun stuff, you know, you can do gaming, you can yeah. do a lot of stuff with technology that is uh, super, super cool. Yeah. But I think that's also the beauty of technology is that there's a lot of option and a lot of cool things that you can do, but it also, how do you leverage it? I think I want to go back to this point you made about um, how do we remove certain data? Or, you know, I always joke about tech over overflow, right? O overwhelming of tech, too many tools, too many processes, too many things. And while it's great and there's tech for everything, what is you actually need to drive the business or the process or the product that you want? And I think that's really important to be able to have uh, that understanding of spacing that out and, and pulling back. Because it's really mm. easy 
to just want to jump into everything. And, and, you know, to the point last night, I'll, I'll give you an example. And I want to commend, I thought that the person who did the work on the front desk at the hub last night was amazing. So we got in, it was uh, midnight, just after midnight when we right. got in. So we're checking in. Have you slept at all? <laughs> <laughs> Only about three hours. Okay, so right, right. I got an hour and a half on the overnight. So I took the overnight flight Saturday oh. and in Brussels, met the guys and then got up here uh, last night and uh, it was probably three o'clock before I went to bed. And then, Aww. you know, sun comes up really early here. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it doesn't really open. go down. <laughs> I know. I, that's what I was surprised at. And so I actually, like, I, what I do when I travel, especially to Europe, I leave the windows open so that I get my body on its natural circadian rhythm with the sun. Mm. Didn't realize the sun comes up at 4 a.m. here. Uh, so that was a fun, <laughs> fun thing getting up. Uh, but, uh, but no, I, I mean, I feed off this energy of travel, right? But we get in last night and, um, you know, we party, we, we booked through a third party booking service. What? That's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Case, don't kill me if, 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 if you get out of that. Um, and um, so we check in and there's only four of the rooms. There's five of us. And, you know, at, you know, we were all kind of like, what's going on? And uh, the reason why he couldn't find it was because somebody had accidentally checked the room in um, earlier in the day. Someone of you or no, somebody from somebody else. Yeah. Somebody oh, from right. them. Yeah. So okay, he, that's he did weird. a great job. And, and you know, we we're like, do we need to get a manager? He's like, no, we are enabled. We are our own managers. And he's like, give me a second. Let me figure this out. He's like, we're fully booked. Let me, let me, let me look. Mm. And he did a great job of kind of, you know, managing our anxiety of coming in after midnight and not having a room to taking a step back, solving the problem. And, you know, then they went and checked and made sure no one was in the room so that we didn't walk in on anybody sleeping. And it was just, yeah, they, somebody had accidentally checked the room in earlier. Um, whatever reason happened, it happened. Uh, made it right really quickly. And, you know, having that human element to mm. the digital experience, I think, made a great touch. And I think really, to me, was um, just it, part of that being hospitable, right? And... It could, everyone could have gotten angry. It could have been, you know, tired, whatever. But everyone, it was just this, you know, we're humans and we're interacting. And I think that um, to, the, to the, the nice fellow that worked at the front desk last night, he did a great job of just really handling that. And I thought it was really cool. And it's, it's, it's such a great example of that balance you were talking about, right? Of enabling frontline workers to own their process. Yeah. So my next question, because <laughs> this, you know, the third-party booking, is how has the rise of third-party booking systems and the rise of private residencies like Airbnb and, you know, Verbos, how has that really kind of um, affected the hospitality industry or, or does it affect what, what you all do and in, in the technology that you deploy to the, to what, 200-plus locations? Uh, yeah, it definitely does. Um, but I think... Um I'm going to answer your question, but but I think also to be fair, all kinds of technology used in any company affects what we do because it, it what it does is it changes the mindset of people and what they're used to. So I mean, even like you know, they're actually been really good with, with digitalizing uh, how we do our taxes in Norway, and that also rises my expectations to what will meet me in a booking site another place. You know, because you think, well, they can do it. Why can't you? Yeah. Uh, so I think uh, third-party bookings, uh, it was definitely a shock for the industry when they came because um, the hotels hadn't really thought about that, you know, uh, themselves across uh, the large mass hotels of the world. 
but um, but I think they're great. We're we're you know we're partners. We're definitely also uh, competitors, but we're partners. Uh, and they make sure that you're you know you're on your toes because you have to keep up. So it's it's affected the booking experience a lot. How we do digital booking, yeah, obviously, and and how we use data, pictures, content. It's a lot of that things that we didn't really work with uh, like 20 years ago. That yeah. is now one of the core business areas. Uh, for Airbnb, I, I don't think it's affected us that much. I mean, it's it's. I think they've, they've done you know a really good job. It's really fun to watch them, and and their sort of you know booking experience and, and content is really good as well. But um, you know, to book an apartment or to live in a hotel is it's kind of two different yeah. things. Uh, we're, we also do apartments, so we're not that big. We have a lot more hotels than apartments. So uh, it's a complementary thing, I think, uh, but it hasn't affected us in the same way as the third-party bookings yeah. uh, partners have. Yeah, and that's interesting, and I, I like to ask that question because I think, you know, as we continue to develop more technology and, and everything, uh, you know, and I think what, and this leads to the next question, I think about innovation, right? I think that we use that word a lot, but really everything is layering on top of it and it's one step process, one process faster, one mm. thing better. And there's not a lot of true innovation in tech sometimes. I think there's a lot of derivative, 1% better, 1% better, 1% better. And you talk about how you're very passionate about building technology that makes a difference. Mm. What does that mean to you? And, and what is Strawberry doing to really build technology to make a difference across your 200 plus hotels and customer experience and, and also the internal experience here. Right. Uh, firstly, uh, we're, we're actually, you know, we, we win a lot of innovation prizes and I'm really proud of that. And I think that's really because the company dares to do new stuff. Having said that, I also totally agree with you that, you know, a lot of what we call innovation today is not really innovation. It's just naturally building on, on processes that are there. And then what I totally hate for companies that, you know, that isolate one part of their company and say, you guys do innovation. Because true innovation, I think, comes from not sitting in a room thinking about new cool stuff. It comes from recognizing that there's a need for something. And then you solve that problem, uh, hopefully, in a new and creative way. And that would be innovation. And, and sometimes you innovate like crazy. Uh, most of the time, we don't. But it's still improvement, and it's good. So I think what we do, basically, is... Um, at this moment, we're doing one of the, I think, largest digitalization programs in, in hospitality in Europe, at least, because uh, we're doing around 14 different projects in parallel. So we're changing the entire system stack out of the hotels. Uh, everything that they're doing, you know, from their booking systems to their uh, conference systems, restaurant systems, spa systems, data warehouse systems, accounting systems, payments solutions, the web is being upgraded, the app is being changed, everything is being changed at the same time. So it's super, super, super hot because you don't really have a base. You have to figure out how will everything be connected when everything is different. Um, and, and this is obviously where Omnibus is helping us with integrations and data points between the systems. Uh, so when we're doing that, at least the way I like to work, is like you, you got to go in and figure out what is the really important stuff? What, what will make the most impact? Instead of, you know, taking that call from that seller that has a little app over there that is really cool, that people are like, oh, that's new, it's cool, it's bling, it's so fancy. 
uh, we, we definitely try new stuff as well. And we have uh, a department that are only working with, you know, testing new stuff. But for the most of us, I think it's it's about figuring out what are the business needs. Uh, and, and when we built our 2030 strategy that we actually did during the pandemic, because <laughs> we wanted to make sure that we didn't just come out of the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, but yeah. that we actually thought, uh, we're, did, we're thinking about where will we be in 10 years. Yeah. I think what we said for the tech thing is that, okay, everything is so uncertain. We, we don't really know what technology will be available in 10 years or what the company will want to do. So what we need to focus on is just, you know, build flexibility, yeah. stability, so that we're open uh, to new stuff so that when they happen, we can move fast. Um, so that's sort of been the main thing that we've been working on now to getting getting all the various systems up to a standard where we can be very fast mm -hmm. and, and innovate on top of that and use new technology on top of that. So we really can, you know, um, do a lot of the AI stuff that is actually going to get us more efficient or enhance the customer experience by, by understanding them better and, and automating things that are, you know, I like to say that we should automate everything that is boring. Yeah. Uh, but we shouldn't automate what is, what is fun, like you're, you're talking about, the fact that if you came in last night and there was just, you know, a computer and a robot and you didn't find that room and th there's this chat put that, you know, okay, press here. What is the problem? I will take you through this. You, you, you don't, you don't want to automate what people are to each other. Yeah. You want to automate the boring stuff, the, the manual stuff, the repetitive stuff. So that's really what we're, we're, we're trying to achieve now. And, you know, a lot of the times, you know, people come in and talk to me from, they come from startups or pure, you know, digital native companies. And it, it's hard to compare. And, and, and when, you, when they're saying like, you, but we can do this and that, it's like, well, great for you. But the fact is that we are, we're not an old company. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we haven't even been around like, you know, 35 years. But you still have all that legacy. You have all those. And, and it's not only in the systems, it's very much in the, processes yeah. the mindset how you think so so the tricky part about you know leveraging new technology isn't really that the technology isn't there because it is and even getting a budget you know for for shifting the technology we can do that but the real shift lies in you know finding a pace and the right set of technology that people can move along with yeah uh, and, and that they, you know, you don't want to drown them in new technology and you, what you said, like, you know, technology overflow, it's, it's just frustrating. There's too much. Yeah. You don't know what to do. And we have, what, 18,000 employees at the moment and we're thinking that we're going to have another 200 hotels by 2030. So making the digital shift, uh, making use of technology in a way that don't, that doesn't drown your people in, in new processes and change every day. Yeah. I think that is the hard part. Uh, and again, we're lucky in this company because we like change and, and we're service-minded and everyone's saying yes to everything all the time when you tell them to try something new. Uh, but it's still, I mean, it's that train, that shift, that is the tricky part to get right, not to test blockchain. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the, the fine line, right, is you got you to gotta test and fail a little bit, right? Mm. You got to find things that don't work for you, what technologies do and don't. I think that's a really tricky thing because I think in today's day and age with a lot of digital native companies, as you mm. mentioned, 
there's an inherent um, need to be perfect out yeah. the gate. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something new in our, like when you look at millennials mm. and Gen Z, and because there's so much data at our fingertips, because mm. all the tools that we have and being able to pick up our mobile and, and Google anything, YouTube anything, and solve a problem, if we don't get it right on the first try, you know, that's scary for us if we fail. And I think that in order to, to experience joy, you have to go through mm. loss. In order to experience success, you have to fail. And I think those are things that sometimes we forget, especially in this, this world of technology and digitalization, that's really important for us to remember. And I love that sounds like Strawberry is not afraid to fail. Like that's kind of your, you know, black belt in crisis management. It's okay if, if we, we, we fail, but we, we grow. We, we definitely do. It's not always uh, a given, but, but I think this company is, is better at this than a lot of other companies. Yeah. There's more room for it. And, and I totally agree with you. You know, the fact that uh, it's like the new stupid is not being able to, to understand and utilize the data that is at, uh, at your hand. And, and while the fact is that it's, it's, it's almost impossible for people to do this, this is why we have computers to, to you know, uh, analyze all this data because it's hard. There's too much information. We, we can't handle it. And the fact is also most of it, you don't really need, you don't need all that data to be happy. Yeah. Uh, so I love the, you know, trying to figure out where do we pull the line uh, and when do we just become, you know, pe robots analyzing data instead of people that have fun, have joy uh, and, and hang out with each other, mm -hmm. which I think that is really, obviously my company, like every other company, even though we have like, yeah, our, uh, our vision is people, planet, profit. Uh, we do want to make money. I mean, we're here to make money as well. Yeah. We wouldn't survive if we didn't make money. But um, we shouldn't strive so hard to be perfect and to get everything right and, and be better at everything all the time. I think what we should strive for is find the right level of, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, work, bal life balance, technology, non-technology balance. What do we need to live good lives? Mm -hmm. That should be the end goal, uh, to make a positive difference in, in other people's lives, not to be perfect and know everything, because it, that's not what makes you happy. And, and who wants to be perfect if you're not happy? Uh, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It's, it's the wrong end goal, to it, be perfect. It, it is, and I love that. And I think it's really important to experience joy. And, and I look at joy. I had a, an amazing person on uh, a podcast that I used to run, um, you told me that joy isn't necessarily happiness. It's joy mm. is anything that brings you passion, right? Yeah, and, that and, makes sense. Yeah, and I really love that. And, and I think it's really important for us to remember that at times. And we have to experience joy in life. Like, yeah. what, is, what is life without joy? What is life without pur purpose and passion? So, I You know, yesterday really I spent all of the day, obviously I was a bit tired after my best friend's wedding, but uh, I have a little jacuzzi in my garden. And like, you know, it's it's... 25 degrees it's a lovely day so we we uh, me and the kids we uh got up in the morning we actually ordered breakfast because we were so lazy that day it doesn't happen a lot but it did <laughs> and then my um i can't really call her my daughter-in-law because she's only been just 19 but she's been dating my son for three years so i know her very well so we just looked at each other and said we agreed that we're not doing anything today so we got like you know floating toys and we put them in the jacuzzi and we just put ourselves in there and we lay there for six hours doing absolutely nothing 
And it was quite fun because at one point we we just looked at each other and at, in, at the same time we said, this is one of the best days of my life. Uh, and obviously you can't lay in a pool uh, every day, but but that was joy. That was uh, We didn't achieve anything. We didn't do anything. We just existed. We talked. We laughed. We had fun. And and those days are so important as well. And not just, you know, what we can do with technology, but those days that you just exist with your friends. Yeah. And you're alive. And yeah. that's enough. I love that. And there's an Italian saying, la dolce fa niente, the sweetness of doing nothing. Yeah. Which is exactly, <laughs> I love that. And, and I think that it's important for us to slow down and take those moments. Because those moments are the moments we need to recharge and, and, and prepare and, and just move forward. And sometimes we need that, 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 that recharge moment. So as we kind of, I know we're getting close to time and, and yeah. you've got a lot going on today. So <laughs> I don't want, I know we could probably talk for hours. But I know that diversity, inclusion, and women in tech is very important for you. And you know, having been awarded the Women uh, Women in Tech Award, um, how do we as we move forward? How do we foster innovation in bringing more women into tech and, and doing that from a company level? And how are you and your team here really, you know, taking that mission on? You talk about people, planet, profit, right? How is that people aspect? Going. Well, the whole company has a diversity policy, so that's not just us in tech. I mean, we, we really strive hard to to have a mix of people uh, working from different nationalities, genders, uh, everything. And, and we do have a lot of female leaders out of the hotels uh, from different nationalities as well. So they work very hard with it as a company. In the tech department specifically, you know, it is it is a bit tricky because uh, there are more men than women out there. So, you know, if if we are going to be 50-50, we're stealing them from someone else. Yeah. But we still try really hard, I think. Uh, and we also try very hard in my department. We have uh, a mix of engineers and non-technicians that work with tech. So that's one of the things that we do as well. And that I think that actually creates a lot of not, well, not innovation, but new ideas because they come from people with mixed backgrounds that see things differently. And a lot of the best ideas sometimes don't come from the technicians, though they might find out how to solve them. It's, it's the non-technicians that are, you know, brave enough to think of something that they didn't know that it wasn't possible, so they just suggested it. So I think it is, you know, working with diversity and having different personalities uh, in your department is not just something that we're saying. We think it actually creates a lot of value. It makes us better. As for the female part, um, I think what we need to do in general to get more women into tech is, is to, you know, stop talking about tech as, as something very techy, you know? And, and, you know, a lot of the um, men, they come from the gaming industry, and though there's women in gaming as well, I know. But, but it's, it's very, you know, nerdy and techy how we talk about it still. But I feel a lot of the females um, that I know in IT... The, the reason they started working with it wasn't because they thought tech, tech was so cool. It was because they wanted to solve a problem. So if you talk about, you know, what kind of competence do we need to solve uh, water uh, problems in the world or, or food problems, and like big, big, important questions for the world or for companies, then you get, you know, you focus on what you want to achieve and then you use technology to solve that. So I think that is, is maybe one of the ways that you can actually open up the, um, the industry more to women is by talking about the end goal instead of just talking about the technology in itself. And then there's obviously different personalities and people like different things. 
Uh, apart from that, obviously, the whole company works very well with um, the feeling of being included, welcomed, that it's not a threatening environment. Um, and that is important as well because we know a lot of tech companies, uh, and I have vendors even that I work with, and they're great people, but I would never want to work there because everyone else is a man. And, and it, you know, it's just a culture, the feeling of what do you talk about over lunch is, I don't feel like it, um, I, I would be bored. I yeah. mean, I, I wouldn't want to work there because I, I would feel like, okay, but I don't fit in. Yeah. Not that it bothers me that I don't fit in. As I, I don't feel like I'm less or anything. Yeah. It's just boring. It's, yeah. It doesn't interest me if we can't have a better environment. And I think... Uh, you're losing a lot of good heads if you build a culture that is not open for different things, but but it narrows it down to just one area. Yeah, yeah. I worked in I worked in hiring uh, and as a recruiter for oh, you did, over ten right. years. I started actually my career in in software development recruiting. Oh. Um, that's how I actually can speak any sort of tech language. You know, having been a recruiter and worked with so many companies over the years, everyone talks about it, but very few do. And and, and I love how you talk about. The, the impact that has when you bring true diversity uh, into a team, because that's where the creativeness happens, right? Um, if everyone's the same or everything's the same and everyone go, gets along and goes along with things, there's no one to challenge. And, and you need to challenge in a good way thoughts, ideas, processes. That's where innovation comes from. We talked about innovation for a long time. And innovation comes out of challenge, right? Um, and I really love that. And it's really cool to see. And, and just by being here in this office and, and seeing it and feeling it, it's a really cool thing. And, you know, I commend you for continuing to, to put put that as a forefront. And, and the way you step up and lead and talk about it is one of the cool things as I was reading some of the prep material going into today. Okay. So, um, you know, I really appreciate the hospitality. You know, this podcast is hospitable. It's all about and, and we created this podcast with the idea of highlighting all things about it from every angle. Um, and we're really excited and couldn't ask for a more hospitable environment. Um, so I really just want to thank you for, for hosting us, for being here, for taking all this time. Where can the listeners find you? How can they get in touch, follow your journey, um, and continue to, to see what Strawberry is doing and, and the cool innovation and growth that Strawberry has planned? Oh, right. Yeah, no, definitely LinkedIn and uh, our websites, you know, strawberry.no.sa. Uh, those sites you can see a lot of what we're doing with the content the hotels which is basically to me it's, it's that that is the product i don't really uh, you know i don't blog a lot myself i can't find time for that because i want to I'm, I'm busy trying to solve problems uh, for those who are good at blogging uh, but linkedin is a good place uh, and our websites is a good place actually i wanted to add one more thing about you know bringing more uh, women into tech and i think what is really important is that you have to hire female leaders and let them be female because i mean that's how you show the others that this is possible mm -hmm. that there's something to aspire to and, and if you if you only have male leaders it's not all the time you're gonna think it's not get, it's not for me it's not possible for me to get there and and then you won't try yeah uh, but that was on the side now you can follow us on linkedin you can follow us on our websites uh, come stay in our hotels. I think that's the best, you know, that, then you get the real experience. We have a lot of great hotels. That is true. So what I'll do is I'll go ahead and put your LinkedIn and the company website in the show notes so that you can right, easily yeah. find cool. Cariana. Uh, you can find Strawberry, check out their list of hotels, come check it out. And I really love what you said there at the end. Um, you know, 
the need to put women in leaders, uh, women in leadership, and let them be female. I think that's really strong and really powerful and, and, you know, impossible is nothing. Right. So I think there's such a world of possibilities and, and hopefully we can see continued growth and just innovation out of not only the technology side of the world, but us as humans. I think right now we need that more than ever, bringing that human element totally and innovating agree. as humans. So I just appreciate you for, for being here. Thank you so much uh, for having us. And I cannot wait to uh, have you in New York and host you um, uh, yeah. on a future episode of the podcast. I don't want to come in January. I only ever go in January and it's always so cold. So I want to do August. <laughs> we'll get you, we'll get you out any of the spring or fall. It's when the city is the most beautiful. So we'll do that for sure. Great. Awesome, Carrie. Thank you so much. Thank you.